nurses and hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. In the middle of the pandemic, about late 2020, we started seeing a trend of mental health startups popping up. One of them was Cerebral. I'm sure you've seen the ads on TikTok with people frolicking down the streets because they're so happy they got their ADHD medications and a very beautiful psychiatrist with her hair blowing in the wind. Kyle Robertson, he is the mastermind of Cerebral and he made the Forbes 30 under 30 list. He was able to raise $4.8 billion for Cerebral. Well, he just got kicked out of his own company that he started. And it was all because of the nurse practitioners that were working for him who rang the bell with the federal government. And uh, yeah, they reported Cerebral for bad prescribing habits that were unsafe for their patients. On this episode, you guessed it, we're going to be talking about Cerebral and we're going to be going down some crazy rabbit holes. My guest is that psych in P. Laura from TikTok. It's a really fun, very interesting and very eye-opening episode. You won't want to miss it. This episode was brought to you by Rogue Nurse Media and The Well-Written Nurse, empowering nurses and patients to tell their stories. Okay. Welcome to Nurses and Hypochondriacs, that's Psych P. Laura. Thank you for having me. I'm super, super honored and excited to be here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love your TikTok stuff. I'm a huge fan and I learned something and I'm going to tell you what I learned. Like, you oh, I want to hear it. Yes. Open my eyes about it. We'll talk about that later. I want to hear more about you and how you became a psych and P and why. And yeah. It's, oh, she's, yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it's actually a pretty, it's a, pretty non-typical story. I, I actually started out as a social worker. Um, I went to undergrad and was very interested in psychology. I was not sure whether I wanted to go the PsyD or PhD route or the master's, whether it was in social, uh, social work or psychology route. I did choose social work um, and I went to graduate school, um, had been working since undergrad in mental health facilities um, to get a experience. After several years working as a social worker in residential settings, um, I started to notice that there was a disconnect between clinical and medical. Um, Not that there were like issues or conflict, but a lot of the frameworks were very different, how we looked at situations, how we kind of um, approached the same sort of topic with an individual client. And and I mostly work with with children and teens in residential facilities. And I, yeah, yeah. And I I thought to myself, like, you know, there's, there's kind of this, this very vast difference between how we conceptualize the clients. Wouldn't it be cool if somebody had both the clinical 
background as well as the medical uh, for the medication piece, because I also did notice that there was even big differences in diagnosing um, what the therapist thought was, you know, and they're qualified to diagnose um, what the therapist thought the accurate diagnosis was versus um, the, the nurse practitioner. So went back, got my RN while still working full time. Went back, then got my master's in 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 um, nursing uh, with a, a psych concentration, and and here I am now. So I'm what I've been told is called a hybrid of you know a, a clinician, a therapist, as well as a psychiatric nurse practitioner. I love you, and and so well needed right now. I, I mean, there's huge demand for the hybrid. Yes, yes. And, and even, I mean, with telehealth coming out now, with COVID, with, with clinical issues becoming more and more complex, it is good to be able to be able to draw from both. I can pull in therapeutic techniques into my sessions now with clients, which is mostly medication management, but having that clinical background and being able to help them process through something right there and then, as opposed to saying, referring out and saying, you know, maybe you should, you know, go see a counselor. Um, that's been invaluable to me um, in, awesome. in my work with, with my clients. That's super cool. So tell us about your TikTok fame, which I think is awesome. Like I said, I learned, you taught me, because you told me about some of the behind the scenes drama that you're going through, which I think sucks because I looked at your topic, your content, and I was like, I learned stuff, you know, and I don't think it's bad. I mean, I run a media center, Rogue Nurse Media, which there's not very many media centers. More nurses need to get out there and create media. But I believe that they have to do it in a way where it's professional because I just watched a video. I I just read an article right before we jumped on about a nurse who made a TikTok after one of her patients died, allegedly. And it was kind of very dramatic. I'll have to send you the article. It's interesting. Oh yeah, I'd love to read it. People were bashing her, which was sad. And and the majority of people were non-nurses, but it was a little bit dramatic for me. I I mean, because she had the the Sia song, song, um, uh, not unbreakable, but uh, or unstoppable, unstoppable or yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So she was just like, oh, now my patient died. Now I have to go back and take care of more patients, which I understand from a healthcare perspective, how hard that is and how nobody gives you any psych information or help or debriefing after your patient dies, you have to just go back like it's a normal day. That's not normal for humans. You know, meanwhile, Google and Facebook, oh yeah, they have a psychologist there. You could go see them anytime you want, you know, but, but health nurses don't get that. And we have the highest suicide rates. So tell us about your TikTok stardom and uh, about this situation and what you think about it. Sure. So it, it's it's still very surreal to me. I'll be honest. When I first started, um, I, I truly and still to say I was I, I thought you know, nobody is going to want to listen to what I have to say about anything. Um, I was convinced of it, but you know I had seen a lot of nurses um, doing content, which I didn't realize was was happening. We all think it's a children's dance app before we actually get on it and look around. Um, and I said, you know, there's really like a need for not just mental health information, um, but also like breaking the stigmas. I wasn't seeing a lot of that. I wasn't seeing a lot of education um, regarding 
you know, kind of just how, how do we look at mental health socially nowadays? Um, I, I hear a lot of stigmatizing language in other videos, which I don't think uh, most of the time is intended for bad reasons, um, but it does end up kind of perpetuating a lot of negative stereotypes. So I said, you know, if I can kind of get on here and teach people some things, but then also let people know that there are practitioners out there, whether they are therapists or prescribers that really do care. Um, this is not necessarily just a job for us. We do have passion for this field. Um, you know, then maybe people won't be as afraid to seek out psychiatric help. And, and thankfully, you know, a couple of people have confirmed, you know, that amongst, you know, mine, amongst other, other creators, uh, videos have made them feel more comfortable in, you know, re-engaging in mental health care. And that's, that's really what makes it worth it for me. Um, that is, that is why I do what I do, the information and just, you know, making sure that people out there know that, you know, they don't have to be ashamed for seeking out mental health care. It's, it's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. And that's so true, you know, because I think one of <laughs> men in general do not seek out mental health, you know, and again, they have the highest suicide rates next mm -hmm. to nurses, I think. So Yeah. Oh, yeah. Healthcare professionals. And, and unfortunately, you know, there is, you know, there are, I think, a lot of reasons for that, you know, culturally, you know, in, in Culturally, there's a lot of things that I think prevent men from seeking out healthcare. But I was also noticing on the app too that there were a lot of, um, you know, people making healthcare professionals, not just nurses, but healthcare professionals making videos that um, always seem if they're making fun of the job or they're trying to make jokes, they always seem to involve psych patients or people really? with addictions. Not cancer patients, not stroke victims, you know, things like that. It always seems to, that seems to be the butt of the joke. And that prevents people from seeking out care. Um, there's nothing wrong with coping and having, you know, some, some dark humor as nurses. We, we all have that, but does it have to be online? And what are the ramifications of that to the mental health field? Because the ramifications are huge, but a lot of times healthcare professionals don't understand that. It's very true. What I loved about your videos is the one video about the period app. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I, as a pediatric nurse practitioner, I refer my teen girls, my teen patients that come in that are female, to go on the period app and track their periods. Oh my gosh, you opened up my eyes. So tell us a little bit more about that and then we'll jump into our juicy topic for today. Sure, sure. So that actually, that that kind of fell into my lap. Um, the day before I had made the video you're referring to, to which is discussing the, the Stardust app, um, my sister and I were in a, in a we were doing a road trip to visit some family a couple hours away. And she said, you know, hey, as we were talking about the Roe v. Wade situation, there's this new app that's coming out that supposedly keeps all your information safe. And I said, oh, really? She said, yeah, I'll, I'll send you the TikTok. I'll send you the video. So I looked at it and I was like, wow, this is great. And I made a video about it to kind of spread the word that they're claiming to be safe. But then surely, you know, one of the advantages of having a bigger platform, I don't think mine is huge, but having a bigger platform is that people tag me and stuff. So I got a tag saying, wait a minute, this is not actually what 
you know, what you think it is. There are a lot of sketchy things going on behind the scenes. And for people who aren't tech savvy, I am not tech savvy. Um, some of the language they were using is bringing a lot of questions up in terms of can they actually keep your information safe? And sure enough, once I talked to some more people who were a little bit more tech savvy, it turns out that information in this in this app is not necessarily safe. And um, the technology they were claiming to uh, be using hasn't, hadn't been tested, hadn't been, you know, um, proven to keep information away from whether it's government officials or, um, you know, so so that was, you know, I felt that that was important information to put out there, given the current environment, um, because we want people to be safe. But it's an interesting correlation because let me see, they have all these period apps, all these females are going on there and um, putting their personal information. They have the ovulation apps, right? People are doing that too. And all of a sudden, Roe v. Wade, and then there's this tampon shortage. Isn't that interesting? So what's going on with that? I don't know. Are we connecting the dots? Or are we just being conspiracy theorists? I think that's weird. I think there's some yeah. higher power that wants to control all of the population and what's going on. And Absolutely. Elon Musk just keeps getting people pregnant. I heard he just got one of his high executives pregnant with twins. Oh so my gosh. He's, he's in full clone mode. Oh my God. It, <laughs> honestly, with, with, we thought 2020 was bad and then we thought 2021 was bad and 2022 is just, is just saying, has been saying, hold my beer at this point. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. We are like full throttle in, you know, like, <laughs> it's go time. You I don't know? put anything the show has just started, you know, yeah. like, weird stuff is coming out, which is a great segue into our topic today. Yes. Cerebral. How did you get interested in it? I mean, I got interested in it because I saw this very beautiful psychiatrist on TikTok about almost a year ago, just mm-hmm. pimping out Cerebral. And she's like, this is such a great product. Da, da, da. And I was like, what? I, my eyes popped out of my head and I just was like, I can't believe this woman is an influencer. She's a psychiatrist, but she's also promoting this product that can, I already was like, danger, danger, you know, <laughs> the red flags yeah. were all going up, you know? Uh, but yet she's seen like, oh, this is such a great product. And da, da, da. Uh, I mean, how did you get interested in it? Well, of course, I saw their ads. Um, I mean, when you're scrolling through, at least last year, when you were scrolling through your For You page, their ads were coming up constantly about, you know, quick, easy, convenient mental health access on this app. And, you know, initially, my, my first response was, this is this is needed. You know, we need more access to mental health care, um, especially in rural areas where the closest clinic may be two hours away. Um, you know, we... I was thinking to myself, hey, this could potentially be good. It was very different for me to see um, practicing, whether they were physicians or therapists, promoting this. And then also even people who were not affiliated with mental health at all um, just seemed to have large accounts promoting it. Um, I didn't give it to you. She was a gymnast, correct? Yeah. 
Yes, she was she was hired as their chief impact officer, um, which I really think is just she's making a you know, she's making ads for them. And, and she made she made quite a few for them. Um, but I was really roped in um, when I was tagged at over a dozen times, maybe maybe close to two dozen times in um, a user's uh, video. And she was reporting how she had signed up, um, had started paying for the monthly subscription because it's a subscription type of service, which again, when I found out about that immediate red flags, um, and then had, they had, after she had already paid said, we don't have any, any providers for you in the area. And then they continued to charge her, even though she was not receiving services and she tried arguing with them and they, they would not give her a refund. They, they just continuously kept charging her when they were not providing her any type of service whatsoever. Um, and I said, I have to, I have this, this can't happen. This absolutely cannot happen. Um, so I started learning more about it and the rabbit hole that rabbit hole hole is crazy. Oh my God. So let's first talk about what cerebral is for people who don't know. Cerebral is a telehealth, uh, telemed, platform for mental health that specifically is for people with ADHD, correct? So they, they treat all types of mental illnesses they claim, but they very, very much push their advertising gearing towards, and there's reasons behind that, which I know we will get into, but they very, very much advertise as an ADHD um, specialty, but they did treat all types of, of diagnoses. Interesting. Yeah, I, from the advertising, like I said, I just thought it was an ADHD thing. So um, yeah. I immediately, because I used to work for a pharmaceutical company, as people on my show know, I used to work for AstraZeneca. I was conned and told that I was a transition of care specialist, and I was told I was a nurse consultant, and I was told I was a nurse educator. They didn't know what our, um, our, well, what we were supposed to be called, you know, so we had identity problems in this role. Uh, what we really were, were nurse marketers. Okay. So I got to understand and learn a lot about marketing and branding. And so immediately I started to do background research on the founder, what's his name? Kyle Roberts, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I got it. And in the beginning, when I looked up his LinkedIn page, I had seen that he had a bachelor's degree in history initially. Okay. And so then when I went back to do research for the show, I found out, oh, well, look at that. Now he has an MBA. That's very interesting because before it was just a a bachelor's in history and now no longer that bachelor in history is on his profile. Uh, What I also found interesting was back in 2012, he, I have his profile right here. Let me go to it. Um, Where did it go? Oh, Well, he had, um, he, oh yes, in 2012, uh, he was with the National Economic Council in Washington, D.C., which I thought was very interesting. Both of his parents are mental health uh, professionals, which his father is a psychiatrist and his mother is a psychoanalyst. Okay, Mm -hmm. that was interesting. He also says on there he started Cerebral because he... uh, found it a hard time to find mental health 
issues. And this is, there's many people who started these startups back in 2019, 2020, okay? Uh, right when COVID hit, they automatically launched. And um, I actually was dating someone who launched one in 2020. And they all say the same thing. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, it's because I couldn't find mental health services. And that that could be true, you know? Um, that That's a great idea to it's a you know you're solving a problem that's what entrepreneurship is all about going back to Kahil, which uh, what I found interesting was he said he found it hard to talk to his parents about his issues well I I guess sure sure Um, he said he found it more easy to tell them that he was gay instead of saying his telling them about his mental health problems how do you tell your psychiatrist father hey i'm a sociopath psychopath you know because these are the people who start these startups with billions of dollars in funding i I mean uh, crazy what i found interesting too he is a genius he's a he's a megalomaniac genius because when he was in grad school it said before it was when he was in his undergrad in history but now it says when he was in this mba program what happened was he started this magazine and the magazine's name, I forget what it's called here. I don't have it down here, but anyway, he started this magazine where he got all these startup people um, at different colleges to tell their story of how they created their startups and how they put funding together. So he was in the now. Because number one, he had done that council thing in DC. So he was already in the know with people. He he knew the right, he rubbed the right elbows. Mm-hmm. And then he started this magazine, which he knew a lot of people. He knew which doors to open. So it was mm-hmm. probably very easy for him. What I found interesting is he's starting this company. He's not has no healthcare background, but his parents are in the business, right? And you never thought that he would tell his dad, hey, I'm going to give out ADHD meds like Ritalin and, and you know, whatever else. And, and he'd be like, oh, I don't think that's a good idea. You know? <laughs> no. I would have hoped that, you know, having two parents in the field that they might have been like, hold on, there's, hold on, hold on. We got to, we got to make sure that this is, this is safe, that your patients are safe. I, I. <sighs> That was, that was, that was very tough for me to know that like that, that no one tried to pump the brakes on this kid and, and, and to, to say like, don't you think that this might be a little bit riskier? This might be a little bit unsafe unless not all information was getting back to the parents. Yeah. Mom and dad, I just own this $1.4 billion company, you know, but it's the perfect backstory of a villain. Right. You think about it. You got a psychiatrist, dad, psychoanalyst, mom. They get together and they have a sociopath for a son. It's perfect. And, yeah. he and, and then he knows how to explore business, you know. Yep. And then he here most likely. And again, this is just speculation. Um, hearing the stories growing up, you know that they probably discussed work at home. He knew how to to manipulate the the vulnerable. And oh, he yeah. knew oh, yeah. he knew how to do that. His mom's a psychoanalyst mm-hmm. with zero remorse. With zero remorse, you know, and zero. So, 
Perfect sociopath. So he knew which doors to open. He knew who to manipulate. He gets on these TV shows and, and gets a sob story. He makes it on Forbes 30 under 30, right? He he raises like total, he's raised $1.4 billion. Okay. That's how much this company is um, worth. He had Aetna on there. He had many insurance companies. He had um, United Health Group. Um, Anthem, Aetna. I mean, his funding came from SoftBank, Vision Fund, Westcamp, Axis Industries, SoftBank, Vision Fund. They're uh, out of uh, Japan. And so they're worth 3.5 trillion yen. They lost about 27.4 billion uh, their fiscal year. It was March 31st. So they're losing money now. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be too happy about what's been going on. So no. you know a little bit more about, I read the um, LA Times or New York Times article. Uh, when was it? In May that said that they were kicking Kyle out. <laughs> And you would think that would be good. That's what we were all waiting for. But then just promoting the chief medical officer who was there all doing doing the shady things, you know, it was present is now see That's not much better. That's not much better. So the chief medical officer, his name is David Mao. Okay, he's a psychiatrist, right? But what I find so interesting about this whole story is, um, so, okay, let's go back to what cerebral is. So they hire nurse practitioners, right? Psych nurse practitioners. They have psychologists as well. They have psychiatrists. So the people ringing the bell about unethical practices were the... Probably the nurse practitioners. Were the nurse practitioners. And the doctors were like, oh, it's okay. (laughs) What the, what? And, 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 you know, we are, as you know, as NPs, you know, we are very patient centered and that's not, that's not hating on, on doctors. You know, I have a lot of respect for, you know, all the, the MD and DO colleagues that I work with, but we are very patient centered and we're very tuned into when there's something that's going on that is going to be a danger or a safety issue. And that's why I think it was the NPs that started, that started ringing the bell. Yeah. Okay. So Cerebral received a federal subpoena May 4th related to possible violations of the Controlled Substance Act, according to the report. The law regulates the prescribing of medications that have potential for abuse and dependence, including stimulants and benzodiazepines. That's very interesting. Um, Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I have some other information. So they launched in January 2020. Yeah, they're about, yeah, its value is about $4.8 billion for cerebral, mm-hmm. which is insane. Yeah. Insane. Um, okay, so I'm going to read the Controlled Substance Act. Uh, it places all substances which were in some manner regulated under existing federal law into one of five schedules. This placement is based upon the substance's medical use and potential for abuse and uh, safety dependence liability. Okay. Um, Yeah. So you were saying, okay, so they were prescribing these controlled substances, schedule twos to patients, which are like Ritalin, which other drugs Mm -hmm. you know of? 
that they were prescribing? Um, they, were, they were prescribing the Schedule IIs, um, the stimulant medications, um, you know, whether it's Ritalin, Adderall, specifically Adderall, um, was the name that would come up a lot, um, you know, in terms of what was being prescribed. But, you know, all stimulant medications, you know, and then plus the the benzodiazepines, the Xanax, Clonopin, Ativan, Valium, um, you know, those are schedule threes. But, you know, those are those were the two the two main ones, more heavy, more so on the stimulants, because there was a lot of push in terms of advertising, because it did come out um, as per, you know, people who have worked there as well as recent news reports that Kyle quickly figured out that it was half as costly to advertise for ADHD and that the, the retention from the, the, the patients getting the stimulant medications was better so than the patient retention from, you know, patients who were diagnosed with depression or anxiety. So that's where he started really pushing towards his investors. We are going to really push this ADHD thing because this is where the money is. Yeah. That's insane because, and and so what I read as well is that many patients were making uh, duplicate, maybe even triplicate profiles and getting lots of meds. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then as you said before, like many patients who were actually having problems and actually needed this medication were not being followed up. Correct. And, and there were, it's, it's been coming out um, and it's been stated in like the, the recent CBS news um, broadcast, as well as, you know, from what people have been communicating along the way in terms of like former patients and, and employees, you know, they, they would make accounts, multiple accounts under different names, which is why the PMP, um, at least we call it PMP, never picked up on this because it was under different names, but seemingly cerebral um, wasn't verifying identity, it seemed like. Um, Right. So, you know, it wouldn't. It's kind of hard to do online. I mean, if you're having a patient coming in a clinic and seeing you, you know who that person is. And even with uh, everything going on with abuse, you know, where patients are drug seekers and always coming in to see certain providers, I know of certain nurse practitioners who lost their jobs because they kept writing scripts, you know, over and over again, just because they were like, oh, whatever. And, and then ha- you know, certain practices were really starting to scrutinize, you know, and being careful. And they had protocols that they had to follow before they wrote for any stimulants or any narcotics to patients. So Mm -hmm. like here comes cerebral and boom, they get all this money and they're in business and they're just giving out meds like candy. Here you go. You know, it was Willy Wonka in a way, you know, and his chocolate back, Willy Wonka and his ADHD factory, his factory, which is crazy. Uh, He's, he's lost. uh, I mean, ever since this all went down, many of the insurance companies have um, cut them off, which I was, that's another thing. So the insurance companies just jumped on board and started to that that was very bizarre for me yeah and and what was interesting about it is you know in in some communication I had with with you know former cerebral employees um even though they claim to have worked with insurances quite often um even if a, a client had submitted their insurance information cerebral would not bill through the insurance they would just 
Yeah, that's that's what I had been told um, by by multiple former employees that even though a patient says, hey, I have let's just say Aetna, you know, here's my insurance, here's, you know, copies of my insurance card, um, they would not go through the insurance, they would go through the, you know, the monthly subscription, you quote unquote subscription fee that they were charging for their visit. Oh, wow. That's so crazy. It's shady. Um, another thing is I read that Kyle was being very aggressive with the recruiters. I got a call. I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner. I just got a call and I talked to the, to the recruiter and I was like, listen, I'm not a psych pediatric nurse practitioner. Um, you know, I have prescribed Ritalin before um, and I go, I could do it, but it seems a little risky. Uh, you know, one of the clinics, I worked at a federally qualified clinic and we had one specific doctor who would, pres- he was, we called him the ADHD doctor because he would, we would send them all to him because he knew all these kids and he had ADHD himself. So he was such a great educator, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he could, he could really help them more than we could. Uh, and so go, you know, with this whole thing, I I told them, I go, listen, I could do zero to 21. It's up to you. They're like, okay, we'll get back to you. Like, they don't even know who they're looking for. Right. Body that had this degree to jump on and to do, you know, to be their monkey and, and to pop out these pills for these people. It's a good thing. They found it quickly, not like the whole uh, narcotic scandal with Purdue uh, and the fifth vital sign, which was ridiculous and how Purdue um, got everybody hooked on uh, narcs. And uh, so this seems like the same thing. I mean, and we've seen it happen with that Martin Shreckle guy, the EpiPens, how he just came on board. Uh, and then we also saw it with Elizabeth Holmes. I mean, I did a parody uh, podcast with an actress being Elizabeth Holmes, which is very funny. And that's another one. Like people just believe her. I mean, I'm sorry, is someone with no healthcare background? That's always my skeptical when they have no healthcare background and they just stopped going to college, you know? I almost think these types of people, like even maybe Kyle, are just fronts for bigger, bigger people. Yeah. And it's, you know, it was, it was really about the money for Kyle. He saw, he saw what this could be in terms of the amount of people coming in seemingly that, you know, were willing to, you know, pay whatever subscription fee he you know, set forth to, to receive services. And a lot of people were, were seeking services because they, they, they truly, truly needed them. Um, you know, right. adult, most of Cerebral's patients were, were people who truly needed services and who really actually needed the support, but because of their sketchy practices, they were not able to hold site providers. They were not able to hold enough specialists who had experience in psych to, to fulfill their, you know, the amount of patients they were taking on. Um, I have plenty of reports from people who were, you know, recruited as, you know, trying to recruit FNPs, um, emergency room doctors, um, uh, emergency room MD, let me know that. Anybody, anybody, anybody with a prescription pad and a medical number. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. But but that's, you know, and, and I think that also, too, speaks very much to how people very often misunderstand mental health. It's like yeah. this, it's not just like a a fluff specialty. It is not just a, you know, a well type thing. You know, there a lot of things can and did go wrong with cerebral and people who didn't have the experience hurting people people landing up in the hospital because if it was a psych prescriber that was that was working with them they would have never prescribed the medications that you know these patients were prescribed which landed them in the hospital with like psychotic breaks oh my god that is yes. so scary. That's almost like, um, and we did a ketamine episode when there were a lot of ketamine clinics popping up. I don't see them as much anymore. I'm not hearing about them. Uh, I haven't really done research in that area, but a, a couple of years ago, a lot of them were popping up. And mm-hmm. the problem with those were the follow-up. You know, these patients were supposed to be following up with their mental health practitioners and a lot of them were not the ones who were doing ketamine the right way actually had a psychiatrist there or actually had a mental health provider there who could follow them up you know but they were kind of just left to the winds and and who knows what what was happening and they were having a lot of psychotic breaks and and mental health issues as well right and it's dangerous yeah yeah definitely so um i mean i'm just like perplexed at how Dr. Mao jumped on. They had True Pill that also jumped on, which was their online pharmacy that they were getting uh, prescriptions from. I mean, for me, if even if I write, like the other day, I wrote a Tylenol prescription for 1.0 mil for a newborn for like a four month old. And it's supposed to be 1.5 mils. Okay. And the pharmacist called me. And that's only Tylenol. Oh, did, didn't you mean 1.5? And I go, no, 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 just give 1.0. You know, I don't want to, I don't like to give that much Tylenol out to these little ones, you know, but. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. It's, so you would get calls about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is very bizarre to me. I mean, if I write something, the remote list wrong, I get a call. Boom. Immediately. Oh. If my, if, if, because I work in many different areas. If they don't know my DEA, if they've never seen me before, who are you? They'll call me up. Who are you? Mm-hmm. So, so oh, this, yeah. this is bizarre. I'm not going to take this lightly. We're going to keep going more forward because like I said, mm-hmm. the majority of the articles, the press releases that I read, they only had one sentence about the nurse, the psych nurse practitioners who started ringing the bell. I mean, where are these people's ethics? Where's Dr. Mao's ethics? Does he not care? He doesn't care. I, I think, and again, pure speculation on my part, I think he's paid enough not to care. Um, you know, you you see when he did, if you watch that CBS News report that he was interviewed on, I mean, his his answers were generic, cookie cutter, um, you know, what they wanted to hear and or what people would want to hear. And then once the hard questions started getting asked, he was frozen. You know, he just knows how to vomit and regurgitate what people want to hear. He needs to be interviewed by a clinician, by somebody with mental health experience, because I'll be honest, and I said this in my video, I'd eat him alive. I'd eat, yeah. I would eat him alive um, oh, yeah. because he needs to be asked the questions that need to be asked. Why is it that your prescribers were double, triple booked for one appointment slot and therefore people couldn't get follow ups? 
for their medication appointments for three, four, five months? Why were the, the refill lines so jacked up that people had three week gaps where they weren't wow. getting their medications because you couldn't handle all of this that you took on? I mean, the stories go on and on about wow. just the poor mishandling, not responding to suicide calls on their crisis hotline. That's ridiculous. There is one question I want to ask you. Maybe you know the answer to this. I see a lot of people on TikTok and also on YouTube calling suicide unalive. Yes, yes, because our, our videos will get flagged and taken down if we use the word suicide on, on TikTok. So in order to get around that, or it will be severely suppressed, um, if we use words like abuse, um, sexual assault, uh, suicide, murder, homicide, um, they will flag our videos and either not you know, it'll be considered dangerous information or something like that. And they won't. So we have to get around those, those, um, whether it's because it, it's all, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and it's all done through AI. It's not actually humans looking oh, at this. So that's yeah. Interesting. Oh yeah. They don't, so there's, there's AI really being like, so this is really interesting because this is what's going to happen. Cause I was hearing it so much and I'm like, wait a minute, did I miss something? Why is everybody calling this unalive all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the kids going to know it as when I go in as a, as a pediatric nurse practitioner and ask them, do you have suicidal ideation? Have you ever tried to hurt yourself? Do you have a plan? You know, which is, is part of my um, physical history and physical examination. Do I now have to call it unalive so they understand what I'm talking about? Because this yes. is what the AI is going to do. And I mm-hmm. want everybody to pay attention to this because we are having more and more AI come on. And I've been studying AI since about 2019, very intensely. I've worked on projects consulting on mm-hmm. AI and how AI is going to take over. And now look at it's changing this medical terminology. Which is bad. In another year, they're going to start telling us we can no longer say suicide. We're going to have to say unalive. And it's ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous. Um, you know, I've happen. Had... watch, watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I've had it. I'm predicting yeah. it because this is what AI does. And that will impact that will impact care in the way that it, it's important for us to use correct terms, especially with kids, um, you, especially when we're doing these assessments, because if we start skirting around and, and using other words, it looks like we're afraid to ask about it. Right. So we need to be asking, you know, in, in the correct way, because it shows that, you know, we're not like, you know, do you want to unalive yourself? Like it, then the kid <laughs> says, uh oh. I know, it's like, do you want to unalive yourself? Yeah. I, yeah. And then like, it's I just can't like, talk about it. You know? I can't talk I about this. I want to make it more of an open discussion. I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. But the majority of my patients, if I ask them, where do you get your healthcare information? Before I jumped on TikTok and started telling stories, uh, my patients were all telling me, oh, I get my healthcare information from TikTok and Instagram. You know, well, you know, and if you watch TikTok enough, I've done experiments on myself where all of a sudden I start getting a lot of anxiety. I'm like, oh my God, there's 50 million opinions. I feel like I'm the hypochondriac now, which I'm just like everything and anything is wrong with me. I'm a bad person. Doesn't make you feel good. 
you know, and especially the tactics people use because they're they're trying to be, um, you know, entertaining and they will just shout at you and be aggressive. And that's all energy, which is wild. But anyway, and the misinformation gets promoted while the real information is suppressed. Right. And even healthcare practitioners are not all there. But anyway... Well, Laura, that's like NP. This has been such a fun and informational podcast <laughs> on Cerebral. Let me know where they can find you. Sure. So my TikTok handle is that psych NP. That is also my Twitter handle, um, even though it's a baby account. Um, and on Instagram, which you can also access through my TikTok, it's that underscore psych underscore NP. Um, so definitely any, anybody feel free to shoot me any kind of questions. I try to respond to everybody. That's awesome. This has been super fun. And this won't be the last you're going to hear from us. We're going to go but, more. We're going to go full throttle with this whole cerebral thing. Because oh my gosh, yes. these companies are giving billions of dollars to non-nurses to do stuff that we can do. Give us the money. Give me anybody out there that wants to give me money, please. Billions. Come on. If you want to, if anybody out there healing the world, you know, we will, we will make a new mental health or telehealth app that actually is run by clinicians that actually puts the patient first and will be safe. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. It's been fun. Totally. Yes. All right. We will be in touch. Thank you. Yes, definitely. Till next time, nurses and hypochondriacs. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast. We'd love it if you gave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'd also love a monetary donation. You can go ahead and donate on Venmo at nurses-hypo. Links are at the show notes. If you'd like to take any of the well-written nurse writing and storytelling classes, those links are also at the end of the show notes. And we'd love it if you come and uh, learn the art of storytelling. Thanks again for listening. Till next time. <laughs>